Welcome to Sacrifice to Success Podcast. My name is David Weaver, and I am the owner of The Forgotten Heart Project. My mission is to help others create freedom in every aspect of their life. In this season of the podcast, we are talking life, business, and what makes you feel alive. We are speaking with business owners and entrepreneurs from all over, hearing about the sacrifices, the learnings, the twists, the turns, the ups and downs, and the successes that they have had in life and business. These are their stories. All right. Welcome, everybody. Today, I have a guest with me named Tyler Robertson. Welcome, Tyler. Hey, thank you very much. Pleasure to be on here. Yeah, great to have you. So let's just start off by telling everyone a little bit about yourself and what your company is. Yeah, so we're in the B2B space. We sell essentially efficiency solutions for people fixing diesel-powered equipment. So that includes on-highway, that includes off-highway. We do that through diagnostic tools. we got training centers throughout the U.S. we got SaaS platforms. we got a call center staff with diesel techs for that phone a friend. Um, and essentially the short version is seven years ago, me and my garage today, seven years later, we got about 200 employees. We do a little North of uh, 60 million in revenue this year and we bootstrap the thing. So that's the quick overview. That's amazing. <laughs> that's super cool. So what, what made you come up with this idea to start this business? What, what were you doing before? And yeah, then, you know, how did the I, idea I, come about? So I was in the industry. So people need to understand trucks are different than cars. When your car breaks down, you bring it somewhere. They can usually like flip those cars around really quick, get them back to you, or you can go rent a car. Uh, commercial trucks, these are tools people use to make money. So when they're down, a, a down truck costs somebody $1,000 a day. So that's no joke. And you can't easily go find another truck to rent. Um, and, but I've been around the truck industry my entire life. Um, and I work for other people and I, I made them a lot of money. And I, I saw a lot of problems because nobody wants to go to a truck dealership to have their truck work done. They want to be using their truck to make money. So they want their truck back quick as possible. Shops, they like to have a backlog so all their techs make money so that everyone stays busy. Um, and having your truck, the, the current state of the world today is there's a diesel technician shortage. There's not enough places that fix trucks. Um, the average truck, I, I would say if you brought to a dealership today with your truck, it's down for two or three weeks before you can even get it back. Mm. And people just can't make business decisions when they don't have that uncertainty. So I saw an opportunity there to, to provide tools and some things to the, the market so people can self-diagnose and self-repair and, and do their own, get their own information so they can make those business decisions. And part of the other side of it is helping repair shops be more efficient. It shouldn't take two or three weeks. It should take two or three days. And there's a lot of inefficiencies in that process that our company really hones in on. Wow, that's super cool. So you, you saw a need, you saw a problem and just decided like, I can, I can solve this problem. It, it started real easy. I was a service manager at a truck dealership. And when you're a service manager, um, you know, the problem I had is I didn't want my customers waiting two or three weeks. So they would come in, I would just say, you know what, I'll go out there with the laptop and I'll hook up and tell you how serious this is or how not serious this. And you can make a decision that way. Well, inevitably you do that and the customer starts to ask, well, how do I buy that? So I don't have to even come to you. I can do that myself. Like, well, yeah. you can't have it. That's why I'm a service department. You, you, I'm the only <laughs> one that can have this, right? So then I got promoted in the company to a new position. Uh, so same building, different role in the parts department. So now I report to a different person. And they basically said, if you can sell something and make a nickel doing it, sell it. Um, so they had no problem with me selling diagnostic software to customers through the parts side of the business, not the repair side of the business. Okay. And customers found out that their 
40, 50, 60 year old, 70 year old shop owners. They know how to fix trucks. They don't know how to install Bluetooth drivers and install software and license it and configure all wireless networks, right? Um, so I just kind of saw this opportunity to come to the market and say, instead of buying all the pieces you need, I'll just sell you a kit ready to go and you can just plug in and start fixing trucks. And that's really where it started. My first company I worked for was actually my first customer. They would buy them and resell them to, to their customers. Um, so that's, that's where it started was just helping people get access to information and tools. And it was really that simple to start with. That's super cool. So did you, did you ever have, uh, any other businesses where you entrepreneurial at all? Like how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah. So I'm, I'm 43. So I started this okay. when I was 36. Um, okay. So and was, was that bit... your first like owning a business endeavor? Yeah. And I didn't even want to, I got, I got told I either have to resign or, or, or take a raise and I had okay. to resign. So, so I didn't even want to, uh, but here we are now and, and, and doing well. Um, so my family has been a series of entrepreneurs. My, my great grandfather started a business. He passed it down to his father, to his son, and then to his son, who's my dad. So my dad's a third generation business owner. So I grew up uh, working for my dad. I grew up, you know, listening at the, the dining room table. My dad talked about how trying to make payroll or deal with union issues or deal with contractors and, and all the things businesses have to deal with. So I was exposed to it at a very young age and I loved it. I remember my dad owned it with his brothers. So that was our Christmas parties was them all talking business. You know, and I, I hung out there more than I did, you know, doing other Christmas activities and family get together stuff. And I, I found it really exciting. So I learned a lot at an early age. And when I, when I actually failed out of high, I went to high school, went to college, failed out. Um, and my dad gave me a job working in one of the businesses. And that's really where I got kind of the first real world experience learning, learning what life's like running a business. So I, I always tell people, yeah, I was 36, but man, I got 16 years of paid training to, to do this thing I do now at these laptops is the way I look at it. Yeah, that's super cool. And so do you feel like um, you, well, there's pluses and minuses to everything, right? Uh, but do you feel like you really enjoy being an entrepreneur more than you did working for other people? Yeah, because when you, I mean, when you work for somebody, I mean, I worked for people and I made them literally millions of dollars doing what I did for them. Yeah. Um, and it, when you work for somebody else, you often have a lot of great ideas and things you want to do, but you got to get buy-ins and approvals and all these things. And it's, it's really not a fun process to go through. And a lot of times people tell you no. Um, so that was the liberating thing about being an entrepreneur is there's no one to tell me no, I can go do whatever I want. I don't have geographical boundaries that are binding me. I don't have any kind of set uh, franchise laws. I can, do, I can do whatever I want in this situation. Uh, but that's also a bad thing because you sometimes do too many things all at once. Yeah. And we've had that problem here as well. So um, it, it's all that walking that line between figuring out what you can do and what you should do and why you're doing things. So um, it, it, it's nice not having someone tell you no. And I, I can say this too. I, I don't know if I could ever go back to working for somebody now that I know my own business. I think it'd be really hard for, for me to, to hear no again from, from somebody. Yeah. I always say the same thing. I'm like, I, I couldn't work for somebody else again. It, it would be I, too hard. <laughs> someone told me recently, go Tyler, you're unhirable. Like what, yeah. <laughs> however this thing at Diesel lands, you're just unhirable. That's, that's the way this is going to play out. And I'm like, well, that's okay. I guess the things are. Yeah. Things are like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> nice. So, okay. How did you go? Cause obviously like your growth has been pretty fast. That's like pretty impressive to go from, you know, you to all these employees and that much revenue in seven years. So tell me about like the first part from like you to 10 employees, kind of what was that like? And how did you create that growth? 
Yeah. I mean, the story on the first employee was, you know, I'm in my garage and dining room table, essentially. Right. And I'm just working Mm -hmm. crazy hours and I knew I needed help. And it was made logical sense. Like, well, I'll just get someone to come to my house, pack up all the stuff and bring to the UPS store. Like I just need a part-time help. Um, And my wife, we lived in a neighborhood and we had a book club and my wife went to that book club and was just kind of telling kind of the problems. And one of the, one of the other moms there was like, Oh, my, my little Riley, he just graduated high school. He probably needs a job. And um, you know, I, I still give him a hard time. He never showed up on time those first six months. And he lived four houses down from me, <laughs> but that was, that was the first hire. Um, and now, now I, I joke about it, but he's actually a very pivotal person. He's director of operations. He's mid twenties that the kids, the kids on his path to being a millionaire and, and doing winning that life. Um, so that one was, that one was okay, but I was horrible at hiring people. I would basically hire the first person that walked in the door. Cause all I cared about was me going back to selling and marketing and building these new things. And I was like, what do I, what am I going to learn in a 30 minute interview from somebody? So uh, we had some really good hires. People are still with us, man. I had a lot of bad hires though. <laughs> People that should have never, never been hired. And uh, you, you kind of take your licks and you learn your lessons. And it, it took us really up till we got to about 60 or 70 employees to really get a, a true, you know, VP of HR, someone that understands that world and what we need to do. Uh, but man, I had employees that stole from me, employees that left, uh, you know, drug paraphernalia, like in the, in their work area and everything in between. Um, and it was just us not hiring the right people and having the right controls and process. So expensive lessons to learn, but we learned them. Yeah. Nice. That, that as dives right into kind of my, my next question was, so there's obviously some lessons you learned there. What, what do you feel like some of the biggest challenges that you faced were and like the, the lessons that you learned from that? Yeah. I mean, a, 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 I mean, a, a million come to mind, right? I mean, um, yeah. so, so what I learned is, you know, not all departments grow at the same rate. So sales, when I mean, we were just throwing money on the marketing side and getting leads and nonstop customers calling us. And then one day we actually went to look and we're like, man, how many of those calls actually go to voicemail versus being answered by our sales department? And it, it was something horrible, like 70% of all calls to sales went to voicemail. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. like, this is not good. And then we looked at tech support and 99% of their calls went to voicemail. So we weren't answering the sales calls and we weren't helping the customers we were selling and we were spending more money on marketing, which made no sense at all. So you, you start to lose, you, you start to realize your company's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and it's hard to control things. And I can say too, we were, like you said, we were growing fast. I mean, still growing fast. We were Inc. 5,000. We've been that every year. We were Inc. 500, uh, actually a couple of those years and fastest growing company in South Carolina and all those things. Um, but we hit a plateau. I, I hit that area where it was me putting out fires and nothing was moving forward. Everything just kind of log jammed and stopped. And we had employee issues and culture issues and upset customers and upset employees and production issues and where like you name it, we had an issue and we were trying to put out fires and we really realized then like, man, we, we got to get ahead of this or we're never going to move our company to the next level. And mm-hmm. I, I, I look back now and I, I, I always never understood. I always use the pizza shop analogy. One guy can have a pizza shop and have one or two places and that's the bigger they ever get. And then you have the next guy that decides to open up 5,000 chains across the country. Like they both sell pizza. Like it, it's, it's the same thing. What, why is one growing and doing this crazy thing and the other one's kind of stuck in gear. And it really comes back to the leader and the management ship team that you have there. That's, that's driving that. Um, so we thankfully have worked through a lot of that and you know, we're, we're still growing 40% year over year at this point, which I, I can't complain about. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool. So do you, how, talk to me a little bit about like 
how it, there's the interplay between work and then our personal life, right? And how, how has that been for you over the years? And, and what has that changed if, if it has at all? Yeah, sucky would be, the, would be the best way to put it, right? So, I mean, here's, here's the thing in life. You, you have different aspects of your life. You have your, your personal life, your professional life. You got to take care of your health. You want to have some social life and you got your family. And yeah. I've come to realize there is no chance I can do all five of those and do them well. I, 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 need, to, I need to pick my path. Um, so, you know, a lot of the good stuff, you know, people listen, it's like, oh, wow, they sell hundreds of millions of dollars. All these things are going on. Life is great. The personal side really sucks. I mean, I, I can tell you I've had to miss my kid. My kids are young and I've, I've missed birthday parties because there's been, you know, multi-million dollar deals working for two years and I have to be somewhere and you have to make those decisions. And yeah. unfortunately, I've, maybe I've picked the wrong ones, maybe the right ones. I don't, I don't know. Um, and I, I've had to come to grasp, like, look, you know, I'm not going to have a ton of time with my kids in quantity, but I'm going to have high quality time with them when I, when I am there and make sure we make the best of it. Um, you know, I'm sitting here at, at 43 and I can tell you, I don't, I don't have close personal friends. I just don't have time in my life for a social life and a professional life and a family life and, and everything else. So there, there's, there's a sacrifice you have to make mm-hmm. and you just have to live with that decision that you make. And that's, that's a really tough thing, I think, for some people to grasp. Uh, but it's, it, it's a path I've, you know, you have to live with it. Yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing. I mean, that, I think that's the reality is like, there are a ton of sacrifices that are made in growing these businesses. Um, <clears throat> so let's shift to then what are some of the things that you're most proud of? What are the best successes that you've had? Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's the, the heart of that question is really the why, like, why, why do you do this thing at diesel laptops? Right. Yeah. And at first it was, well, I just want to provide for my wife who doesn't, you know, she wasn't working. I had a one and three-year-old just taking care of them. I just want to provide for my family and put a roof over her head. Right. Then you kind of check that box and you're like, okay, cool. I, I got this. And then it's, well, you know, I was proud of that. Right. And then the next thing was like, well, can I hire employees and make this a business? And you kind of, we got there too. Like, oh, cool. Check the box. We, we got that going. They're like, man, could I, can I make this into like a global scalable business and, and, and do these things? And yeah, we started growing from, you know, two employees to 10 to 20 to 30 to 50 to hundred. Um, but now we look at it and we say, man, can we go change the way an entire industry has operated for 50 years? Mm. It sounds crazy to say things like that, but we all internally look at it and be like, you know what, how many companies do they have the opportunity to do that? And we think we're one of them. So what I'm, what I'm proud about is the fact that we are having a positive impact in our industry. And people, I think, hopefully realize transportation and trucking is a very important part of our industry now, especially with all everything happened with COVID. Yeah. Um, it's it's in, very important. Um, and the other thing is, is just the, you know, the, the thing I, we say a lot, it's, you know, a famous expression is the tide lifts all boats. And I can say, you know, we have, for example, we have someone, uh, they used to, they were first doing lawn care in our neighborhood. And then they started, we got to be friends. They started refurbishing laptops and doing these things for us. And all of a sudden they cash flowed and built a brand new, beautiful home right on the lake. And they moved mm. their business there. And they oh. were, you know, they were, they weren't financially struggling. They were doing pretty good. And now they're doing really, really good. And they, they can retire early and not have to worry about money. And there, there's a lot of situations like that. We look at where, you know, people have a better life and more opportunity now in their lives. Um, I mean, we just brought in another person six months ago, nine months ago, they were doing retail and now they're a software developer making very good money and they're on the path to making a hundred grand within the next couple of years and to provide people opportunity to better themselves and better their lives. That's a big part and important part of this that I'm proud of as well. Mm, I love that. 
Yeah. And not only, not only the people that are working for you, but the people that you guys are helping, like, cause you're, you're, you know, helping them uh, not have as much downtime. And so then they're making more money. So it's better for them. Yeah. So it's it, like all of these possibilities. It, yeah. I mean, that, that's what we always tell people. We're not selling diagnostic tools. We're not selling services. We're, we're saving people time and money. And if we don't save them time and or money, they shouldn't be doing business with us or we're selling yeah. the wrong things. And that's, that's really the conversation that we try to get across the message. We try to get across to our customers. Cool. Yeah. And something else you said in that last part there, uh, where, you know, you're at first, it was just making money, putting, you know, roof overhead and everything. I love that possibility growth process that happens there. Right. Cause you're like, Oh, well, if I can do this, like maybe I can do this. And if I can do, okay, now I do this, you know, to now where you're talking about changing the whole industry. Um, I just love that. It's a beautiful concept and congratulations on, you know, making that happen. Hey, we're, you know, we're trying hard here and I, you know, it's nice that we bootstrapped it. I own the company. So it's nice because I don't have to worry about profits and shareholders making them happy. I am the shareholder. Yeah. So, you know, we, we kind of hit that point where it's like, man, you know, I can either take a bunch of money out of the company and go do as much of stupid stuff with it, or I can keep it in the company and change an industry. And to me, it's, it's the answer is obvious on what we should do and where we should go about. And once you have those decisions, once you know that you can make the right long-term decisions to put the right things in place to go execute your plan. And uh, we got a lot of people over here working very, very hard to go execute the plan. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, and that's cool too, because you're, it could be a tough decision to, like you said, I can go do a bunch of stupid stuff, have a lot of fun with all this money, or I can leave a legacy and have a big impact on a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's a hundred percent. I mean, we, I looked at it, you know, there's some days you have that thought, right? Like, yeah, you know, this <laughs> is course. just been a crap week. I could just <laughs> shut down all these millions of dollars in R and D we spend every year yeah. and we can just go sell the crap out of this stuff for the next five to seven years. And I can make a bunch of money and just be done with this. But you look at it like, man, that's, that's not the right thing to do for the, for the employees, for the industry, for, for all these other reasons, the path we're on is a great path. We're again to be at this rate at this size and still growing as fast as we are, and we're competing against billion dollar corporations. It's it's fun. Like people enjoy the 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 stamp we're putting on the industry and it's turning a lot of heads. And I really believe in our team to go execute. Cool. That's awesome. So okay, what would you uh talking to another entrepreneur who maybe is most likely is not where you're at on their journey? They're in the earlier stage. What is one piece of advice you might give them? Yeah, I mean, perfection is the enemy, right? So if they're worried about, you see this a lot, and I see this with some of my employees too. They're like, we have this thing. It's not quite perfect yet. I'm going to keep working on it. And eventually you just got to go for it and put it out there and see, and see what happens, right? So that's one thing I see a lot. And another one is people oftentimes take risks that are, that are too big for themselves, so yeah, we take a lot of stupid risks over here, but we, we, we say, hey, we're just going to be half stupid here, not full stupid. And we're okay if we, we go do something. I mean, we, I have plenty of things where we've thrown two, three, four, 500 grand on it, even, even seven figures, and it hadn't worked out. <laughs> and we, mm-hmm. and we, had a, we knew that going in and, and that's okay. And you have to be able to, to tolerate that risk. And cash is king, man. Like just have a, I mean, I would never have been able to do this if I didn't have no debt to start this thing with. If I hadn't been really conservative with our money, um, I, we went a long time without taking, I went a long time without taking a salary or any dividends or anything out of the company just because it needed it to keep growing. And you got to be willing to make those sacrifices and, and, and know you're on the right path. So that's, that's kind of the three key takeaways I'd, I'd give people as they're, as they're going through the journey. 
I love it. I think that's great advice. I think it's, it's really, you know, you hear about people all the time. They take these really, really big risks. And, and I've shared this before, but I, I, I've started two businesses and each time I mitigated that risk at like 50%. So it was like, I'm not just jumping all the way in, but there's still some stability there so that you can, you can have a much better chance of creating that success. It, it, it's like five months ago when the market was kind of going good still and everything. You see all these people like, oh, I'm going to go get a second mortgage on my house and put in the stock market. It's up 20%. I'm like, you know, that that's that's full stupid. Don't don't do that. Shovel <laughs> your house at risk because now the market's down 20%, right? Like that, that don't don't go do stupid things. And I think a lot of times people get caught up in, in thinking it's the only way or the way they have to go. And it's mm-hmm. not. I'm, I'm, I'm telling the listeners here, look, I, I built a company that does north of 50 million a year in revenue that's profitable and we cash flowed it and we did it with minimal risk. So things are possible. They may take longer than you want, right? It's not snap your finger and things happen. Um, I just had a guy today I was talking to. He's three years into his business, uh, a SaaS online business, and it finally started to pull a profit. And mm. now he's seeing the trajectory and things. And he had a three-year, it was, you know, it was tough. There's a lot of times he wanted to give up, I'm sure, but now they're there and things are going good. So it, it takes time for things to happen. You have to be patient, but you also have to see progression. If you're not progressing, you probably got something you really got to go fix or look at killing or, or doing something different with. Yeah, totally. Okay. Awesome. Well, where can people find out about you, Tyler? Yeah. So I, I love the greatest business to business networking platform that's open 24 seven and that would be LinkedIn. So if they go on LinkedIn, they type in Tyler Diesel or Tyler Robertson, I'm, I'm sure I'll pop up. Um, if anyone's listening to this and they, they, they're interested at all about the diagnostic market for the diesel industry, diesellaptops.com. We have a learn section on there. Uh, you'd actually learn a ton about our industry. It's a great industry. It's a huge industry. It's the industry that's making sure you get groceries showing up to the supermarket and your everything's, you know, the clothes you wear on your back and the house you got built all got brought by diesel. Uh, so it's a big part of today's world. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate hearing your story. I appreciate your honesty. And uh, yeah, I think you shared a lot of really cool, valuable things for other people. Hey, I appreciate it. And thanks for the invite. You bet. Thank you for listening to Sacrifice to Success podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please check out the link in the show notes and you can find all of the details there. If you got something out of this interview, would you please take a moment to share on social media? You can just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to somebody or post it on the socials. Let's see if we can change the narrative of social media and post valuable, positive content. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. So to make sure you don't miss any episodes, please go ahead and subscribe. The thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show. And they mean a lot to me. If you'd like to know more, go to my website, davidweavercoach.com. Or you can follow me on LinkedIn or Facebook. Those links are also in the show notes. And I do also have a free training on my website as well. So thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time. Thank you.